This morning I will be reading from Revelations 2, chapter 17 through verse 17. And to the angel of the church at Pergamum write, The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Are you a liar sometimes? Or are you telling the truth always? We must confess that we are liars sometimes. Why we lie? We lie even we think we are telling the truth. We lie for other people. Most of the time, we lie without malicious intentions. We even lie to others, please others. Isn't it? We lie to be good and attractive. We lie because we don't want to hurt people, right? Sometimes, some people, they believe, they lie for the sake of a greater good. But can we justify our lies? Jesus introduces himself to the church in Pergamum as to the angel of the church in Pergamum write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. It means Jesus speaks nothing but truth because Jesus is the Logos the Word, the revelation of God Himself. So, because Jesus was introduced this way, we assume that the church of Pergamum had become sloppy with their words. Jesus examines the church of Pergamum, with their strength first. Jesus said, I know where you are living, where Satan's throne is. 
Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwell. Pergamum, the city Pergamum, was located on a hill on the mountain, and it was a fortified city. It was an impregnable citadel. And like Ephesus and Smyrna, there were so many temples of Greek gods in Pergamum. The tribulation, which means pressure on those who refuse worship, seizure, and the pagan gods, were so severe, as you can imagine. So many Christians in Pergamum suffered and killed because of their faith. One of the martyrs was Antipas, and he was not the only one martyr. So many Christians in Pergamum died, refusing to renounce Christ. So it was so dangerous to live in, in Pergamum for Christians. But they lived. Many Christians lived. Let me ask you, is it is safe to live in our country? Is it safe to live in your country with your Christian faith? Can we speak the truth about our faith in Christ, the tradition, and our this holy scripture today? Is it safe? It is interesting that John the Apostle used the word for living, dwelling, in Greek, katoikeo instead of using parochial. In the New Testament, parochial had been used for Christian living, which means temporary living, as a stranger or traveler. But in this verse, somehow, John used word katoikeo, which means permanent living. Christian thought, early, early church Christians thought Jesus would return soon in their time, in their days, in their life. So their living in, on earth was temporary, they thought. So all the Bible using the Greek word, you know, temporary living. But somehow, John using the permanent living for this verse. Because the risen Christ is saying to the church in Pergamum, you are living in a city where the influence and the power of Satan are rampant. But you have to go on living there. That is the message of Jesus to the Christians in Pergamum. I came to this country in 1990 from South Korea. 
It has been over 30 years. But you know what? Time to time, I ask myself, DJ, have you unpacked your luggage yet? You know, as a first-generation immigrant, it deep in my mind that I have this thought, I think I haven't unpacked my luggage yet. I haven't settled in this country yet. Even though I became a citizen, I lived here much longer than my home country. Because whenever hardship visits me, things go wrong, I feel like I'm ready to go back to my home country somehow. Have you unpacked your luggage yet? I'm not just talking about location you live, but from your life, your situation, maybe your finance, maybe your relationship. your whole entire life have you unpacked and are you settled with your life? Life in Chinese life means the command of God to live. Life is command of God. To live. It's not your choice. It was God's choice for you and me. It is command to live. So we have to live. I'm not the only one appointed to Epoda, but every one of you appointed to your family, your street your company, your classroom, to your family, to your spouse. You are appointed by God to serve and minister to people wherever you are. It is command. Not, it was not your choice. So we have to unpack and being settled wherever we are to do the mission of God given to us. And it is doing the mission is giving the glory to God. So Eugene Peterson said, it is no part of the Christian duty to run away from a difficult and a dangerous situation. The Christian aim is not escape from a situation, but conquest of a situation. You know what? I believe the main, one of the major reasons of church decline, declining, especially in our country, is that many Christians aren't settled and living wherever they're supposed to. As a Christian, living as a Christian with the persecution, with those challenges, with those hardships and rejection. Christians must live, but many Christians, they refuse. They avoid taking the hardship. 
They love to receive the great salvation, but they refuse to receive the hardship. In verse 14, Jesus reveals the weakness of a Pergamum church. Jesus said, I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice immorality. You know this story of Balaam in the Old Testament, in Numbers. It sounds like funny, right? It sounds like donkey speaking, you know. It sounds like a funny story, but it ends sadly. Sadly, you know. When the people of Exodus, for 40 years, they kept their faith. They finally, they came to near the land of Moab. And the king Balak was scared So he hired a sorcerer named Balaam to cursing Israelites. Then the Lord intervened with sending angel to stop Balaam. So instead of cursing Israel, Balaam blessed Israel. Then the king Balak suggested, what about invite Israelite to our parties? Party means worshiping idols, their God, and then eating and drinking with women and people of Moab. It was a festival. King Balak invited Israelite to their party. And somehow it worked. Many Israelites came to their party. It is interesting. For 40 years, people of Israel kept their faith in the wilderness, in their hardship and challenges. But Israelites gave up their faith when they were treated friendly, welcomed with attractive invitation, hospitality. But I see the same thing everywhere. It is a universal truth, isn't it? Our forefathers came to this land to keep their faith. And they built this nation on Christian faith. Only 200 years ago. And our forefathers, they kept, they've been kept keeping their faith at the frontier. And through the hardship, great depression, war after war. But now many Christians, over 80% of Christians in our country, they are not practicing their faith. Over 80%, even Methodist. So we are not 60 million church. Where Christian, many Christians in America, they deserting their faith in their prosperity, in their comfort. Don't you see the same 
with Israelites and American Christians. Eugene Peterson said, They, Israelites, had been true to God in matters of life and death, but failed to be true in matter of eating and drinking. Opposition didn't work. Cursing didn't work. But clever lie did. It's the same thing to the church of Pergamum. The church in Pergamum had been like an impregnable citadel of Christian faith. Through the persecution, martyrdom, they kept their faith. But when such a warm welcoming and friendly invitation from their own people, it's okay to be a little too strict with yourself. Relax, it's okay. Their citadel of faith collapsed helplessly. You know, do you remember in the wilderness after 40 days of a fasting, Jesus was tempted by Satan? You know what? What was the third temptation? Satan said, if you bow down to me just once, not even twice, just one time you bow down to me, I will give you the whole world to you. I mean, it was right before Jesus began his ministry. If he took the offer and he just bowed down to Satan just one time, it would have been much easier for him to, right, evangelize the whole world because the whole world was his. But Jesus did not bow down to Satan. Today, Satan still promising us all the goodies we desire just for one time. If we bow down to him, Satan, just one time, sometime we bow down to him. But we know one time become two times, two times become three times, and it become habit. You know what? When our sin become habit, it becomes a sin no more. It is part of it. The sin become part of our life. Eugene Peterson said, Truth is not simply what we say, but what we live. Truth is not just right answer, but right life. Christian faith becomes real when no one is watching. Right? Jesus said, So, Therefore, repent. Turn around. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. I'm doing this sermon series on the revelation because we are under tribulation. We are under pressure. We are in persecution. So to be holy Christ, holy church, we want to find the answer from these seven churches in Revelation. Right? Then we have to understand if we don't speak truth, if we compromise with sin by convenient lies, then Jesus will be against us. Isn't that obvious? 
If Christ against Christian, then they are not Christians. If Jesus against church, that church is no longer church. Don't we see those churches already? Turn around, turn away from the doctrine, turn away from our tradition, turn away from our holy scripture. They are not church anymore. They are just servant angels of Satan, perpetrator of Satan. And finally, Christ bless those who fight the Satan and con conquer. I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So the hidden manna is the bread of life. Jesus himself, living bread, who sustains his church. Without Jesus, church is pointless. We need Jesus himself, the hidden manna for church. And Christ will testify us, each one of you, to the world by writing your name, my name, on the white stone, which means the heavenly reward. If we fight against the Satan, if we keep our faith, I would like to close today's message a singing an old hymn. I grew up with this hymn. Every revival made in Korea, I, the church in Korea sang this song. Glory to his name. I don't know if you know this song or not, but it says, Down at the cross where my Savior died, Downward for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was blood applied. Glory to his name. Sisters and brothers in Christ, we are sent by God to the world to live and to give glory to God. And finally, when we die and we will return to God, and we will give glory to God in that way too. It is only down at the cross. Cleansing our sin by dipping our heart into the blood of Jesus Christ. Blood means our sacrifice. Our own death. Death of our ego and our experience and our tradition and whatever we trust, our money, without taking our own cross, without our own death, there is no truth. And there is no change. There is no transformation. Amen.